This is T. Earl Grey Hot, an unofficial Star Trek fan podcast from the Other Side Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of T. Earl Grey Hot, an unofficial Star Trek fan podcast from the Other Side Podcast Network. My name is Yannick, I'm the French guy from Switzerland, and uh, for this episode I am joined by someone who, even if they were waving an EV suit whilst plummeting towards the edge of a rift, while his ship was disintegrating around him, still, I wouldn't be able to come up with a suitable introduction. It's my good friend, Dave. Good evening, Dave. Yeah, good evening. Uh, I'm I'm one of those people that is very difficult to describe, <laughs> so I completely uh, relate to, to your predicament. <laughs> congratulations, I, anyway. I think you wrote this. But I'm not <laughs> Probably. <sure. laughs> On this episode, we're going to review Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 6, Stormy Weather. So before we begin, how are you, Dave? Yeah, I'm doing okay, thank you. Um, been, uh, been a good week. Um, got my 3D printer working again, so yeah. with with my, my Christmas present for my lovely wife, nice. which, is, uh, which is excellent. Got a couple of days coming, uh, uh, off coming up. Oh, you're well, going to probably play with 3D printer? printing and, and geeky stuff. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, nice. Very nice. And cool. watching Star Trek, of course. Of course. What are you watching currently? Uh, Star Trek Discovery, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Same as you. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, I, I'm not watching anything else at the moment. Okay. Um, having watched, I suppose the next logical thing for me to do would be to go through the, the animated series. Yeah. Um, having, having recently finished the original series. Yes, that's the uh, follow-up uh, from that. Mm. It's uh, it's like the original series. It's a animated series from the sixties. So yeah, we need to hang on. Well, it's widely considered as season four of the yeah. original series. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it wasn't canon for a while, I believe. It was only no. recently, like in the last twenty years or so, mm-hmm. introduced into canon. Yeah, exactly. So. Mm. Well, before we dive into the review of uh, that animated series in about 14 years when we're done reviewing everything else, (laughs) if you uh, don't have anything else to add, uh, I suggest we dive into the review of Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 6, Stormy Weather. Okay, so in the teaser, Michael Burnham is pondering the nature of the past and memory as she puts together a family tree. Um, Booker walks in and notes that he never got to um, to build one of uh, for himself. He also notes that it's his dad's birthday. Uh, before moving on to the matter of the the DMA created subspace rift uh, that they they have to examine, um, Booker expresses uncertainty of doing this versus you know jumping further outside of federation space to question other interstellar nation interstellar nations about the dma so we still have this um conflicted book um well i don't know if he's conflicted but he would love to to do to do things and um 
yeah we said said that earlier uh, in, in the previous episode he he wants to do something and as we said last week i think being stuck on a spaceship might not be the the best place for him to be right now yes yeah it it is everything around him reminds him of of what it is he's probably trying to escape from yes but he can't uh, escape from it because he's literally uh, <laughs> what's the word Cap- um captivated captivated yeah and also yeah, captured yeah he he, he he wants to do things and he is um uh surrounded by people who don't necessarily want to do the things he wants to do so he's kind of a a lone it's kind of lonely in there i think yeah and the person that he wants to talk to about it and and be there for him and and comfort him she's kind of got a job to do yes <laughs> which which isn't helping him at all nope uh nope it's not it's not really a conflict of interest but uh not far from from that it is from his perspective yeah true true and uh, more on that later in the episode mm. but it was it was lovely to see this um this family tree put together oh yeah which was presumably as a direct result of was it Pit, Petra Petra something yeah well, for, from from last week uh-huh. and we we had the opportunity to have a glance around this tree, and it was really no- nice to see some of the uh, the old faces on there. Yeah, and we saw Spock with well, what is probably young um, young uh, Burnham uh, and uh, Ambassador Sarek and uh, his wife. I, uh, I presume. Yes, I presume. Yes, yes, it was. Um, we also saw Gabrielle and Mike Burnham. Yes. Exactly, which exactly. was uh, which was nice to see. Yeah, uh, and of course, you couldn't have a family tree without Giorgio on there as well. It, absolutely, yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, Burnham, I don't know if she considered uh, her like like family or something, but they were really close together. Yeah, I I think she did. I think she did. Well, you think about it when when they when they're stuck in space, all they have is each other. Yeah. If you don't consider yourselves family, you've potentially got problems. Absolutely. Oh, and yes, Alan and said uh, Tilly was there as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On their way to the bridge, Saru goes over the previous rifts examined by other ships, including the Enterprise and Voyager. In the tube lift, they have a brief discussion with Zora, and Burnham assures Saru that the computer is fine. Um, Saru was a bit concerned though and uh, i i completely understand yeah once on the bridge they call all crew to stations adira heads off after gray assures her uh he'll be okay assures them he will be okay left alone uh in uh in in in, in the where is he in the is that the um, um the, the, the ten forward equivalent <laughs> yeah. yes yeah yeah hey, is it me or did he Look, did he, did did he not look like he was convinced he was going to be okay? Uh, no, I think you're right. I think he was he was saying that more for Adira's benefit yeah. than than trying to convince us that he was actually feeling that he was going to be okay about it. Yeah. You know, go off and save the world kind of thing. But mm-hmm. actually, 
please don't leave me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's but, certainly how it came across. But Adira was delaying again. <laughs> like, yes. Trying to find uh, excuses. Well, the circumstances around it is quite, is quite interesting because if you remember, it was actually Burnham that told Zora to call crew to stations, yes. which she did pretty much immediately. And then we went into the um, the social area, and Zora repeated herself, repeat, all crew to stations. And then Adira was like, oh, oh, that means me. So yeah. she missed it the first time. Yeah. And only responded to it after mm-hmm. the second time. I was kind of expecting uh, Zora to go like, a <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, hello. <laughs> they begin with the mission heading into the subspace rift on impulse. The entrance hits up the shields, but once inside, the rift is completely devoid of seemingly anything. It's like blackness everywhere. And mm. yeah, uh, I like how I, I never, I never get his, na- his name. Uh, sorry, but how he described that um, when. When um, uh, Burnham said, "What what do you hear?" and he says, "It's not what I hear; it's what I don't hear." What I don't hear, mm. and and one of the quote of the space is loud. <laughs> and yes, I guess. I think yeah, that was Reese. Reese, yes, that's his name. Yeah, yes, um, yeah. It's true. It's uh, it's probably full of electromagnetic magnetic fields that you could translate to uh, audio, or 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 if you consider a signal like a noise. Um, I guess, yeah, it's going to be loud. And so that brings the question uh, for us and for them. Where are they? Where are they? Yeah. 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 Completely. Because if you're not seeing anything at all, and I think this may get addressed a little bit later on, how are they going to get anywhere? Because all of their points of reference, stars, planets, Mm -hmm. whatever, well, there aren't any. So they can't chart where their actual location location is. I think it's Adira who said that's impossible. There is something, but you know, it's just, it's just that they couldn't see or they couldn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Booker wants to head out to scout, but it is overruled in favor of sending out a dot. The dot, however, begins to disintegrate about six thousand meters out from the ship. Panama orders red alert. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. Because, as was identified on the bridge, it sounded like the the dot was screaming. Yeah. Like it was suffering as it disintegrated. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't bear this. No. And in fact, I think even Burnham said, switch it off. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Did you notice how... Det- uh, was it? No, it was not Detmer. Um, the the officer who uh, sent the uh, the dot. Did you see that she brought up the uh, I don't know some something on a screen, and then she throw the dot out, out to the main screen, and then th- that gave the the command for the dot to to be launched. It's like it's like she took it from oh, from a okay. screen and sent sent it outside. And it was <laughs> I was there. I missed what? that. I'll have that? to go back oh, and watch yeah. that again. Yes. Yeah. 
And that was a 10-minute teaser. Well, almost a quarter of the episode. It's not the longest teaser we have had this season. In fact, I don't think we've had the longest teaser yet, which I think was about 12 and a half, 13 minutes. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Did you notice the uh, director for this episode? (laughs) Did I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I don't know whether you've done the same here, but I've actually taken and and repurposed the notes that I made the first time we watched this and reviewed this, recorded this. And it is actually the first item in my trivia <laughs> ah, okay. uh, as to, to who the, to the, who director, the director is. is. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, you can, you can say it. I it's don't mind. Jonathan Frakes, of course. Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> my, my hero. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes that uh, we are going to see a lot more in uh, Star Trek Next Generation Season 8. Oh, sorry, Picard Season 3. <laughs> Technically Season 10. 10 of TNG uh, only if you consider the first two seasons of Picard as the the uh, season uh, 8 and 9 of TNG well I'll tell you something come here yeah. come here yeah I haven't watched season 2 yet of Picard no yeah that's a, that's fine that's okay it's, it's crap anyway so <laughs> I have a feeling we're gonna go from season 1 to season 3 Jonathan Frakes directed A Strange New World, the Lower Deck Crossover. Is it? Has it? Right. Well, you know, people make mistakes and directing a Lower Decks episode, that's... Uh, Actually, he's, he's, he, he was involved in yeah, a lot of Lower Decks, know, uh, directing and um, voice acting as well. Yes, the link are coming uh, now. Uh, either I have switched off the aggressive shield mode for the channel or... You've been made a VIP, maybe? I don't know. I have no idea. Dev is a moderator. I don't know. But but it's working, yes. Shield mode is off, so maybe that's it. Hmm. So, uh, listeners, if you want to participate in this conversation, you can join us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash TGH podcast, but we're going to tell you all about that later on. Just if you were wondering, what, what are they talking about links and stuff? Well, because that's how we do things. <laughs> yes, the problem was on the other side. My channel is like um, mm. paranoia mode, something like that. Right, let's go to act one of this episode. On the bridge, Perham asks for options to figure out what took the dot out. They send a photonic flare in the same trajectory and same speed as the dot. And that feels... feels, feels Fizzles. Yep. I did that right. <laughs> that fizzles um, slightly earlier. Okay, so we're, we are entering, you know, techno thingy territory here. They estimate. Techno bubble. Yeah, techno bubble. Mm. They estimate that whatever disintegrated the dot and flare is coming at 2.9 meters per second and will reach the ship in 33 minutes. They extend the shields and boost power to them. In engineering, Booker uh, is. Uh, assist Stamet with power redirection. Right. First, the good things. Quote of the week. Mm-hmm. Stamets to book. Oh, and thank you. I'm glad you're here. Yes, that I seals, had that one as well. Yeah, that seals the uh, what we said, um, I think, last week, that those two are, are getting closer after the uh, initial... Um, bad blood between them. Um, 
now now yes. they're they're, they're I'm, I'm not gonna say they're they're best friends but they're they're going along fine they, they seem to have a concern for each other which yes. is 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 a great start and i still maintain the catalyst for this was the um the journey into the rift mm-hmm. absolutely yep when they uh, got some some data data yes data yeah, yeah, yeah. so data geeky section right they said uh, i think it's uh detmer said 10.3 seconds for the dot to disintegrate at 6,000 meters or so uh so and and also she also said 9.7 seconds for the flare uh, <laughs> i think 0.6 seconds uh, the way that was measured you know the 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 dot took a few moments before it disintegrated. So, where do you measure the disintegration? So, I, it's a very small time difference, and I have a hard time believing they could track that. But let's put that aside. Yeah, I know where you're coming from with it. Yeah, ten point three seconds at six thousand meters—that's about five hundred and eighty meters per second. The flare, if it was uh, going at the same speed. Um, for 9.7 seconds was 5,600 meters out. So to travel the remaining 5,600 meters at 2.9 meters per second, that would actually take 32.18 minutes. Somebody did the math while writing the episode. You know, I I did the, I did the math because I was like, oh, I'm going to nail them there, prove that those were just um, random numbers. Well... They are not. Well, then I wish to register a complaint because yes. this is not Star Trek. It's, yeah. Well, first, <laughs> there's no 47 involved anywhere. There is that, yes. And uh, yeah, no, they did the math. Congrats. Mm. Good show. Good show, yeah. yeah. In the uh, the lounge, let's, let's call that a lounge because we don't have a name for that. Gray asks Zora what's going on with the red alert. Zora explains the basic situation. Gray probes further, and Zora seems to be struggling to deal with all the ship's information. Gray offers to play a game to help with that. Mm. Yeah, she sounded confused. Confused. Yeah, overwhelmed. I think was the um, the the word she she may have used either yeah. either now or or slightly a bit later mm-hmm. on. Um. So. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the the idea is to play a game to, to basically take our mind off it. Yeah, I really don't know how that works with a sentient AI. <sighs> yeah, I I don't have a, a reference. So, mm. but if you accept the fact that the computer is sentient, there's no reason it's not gonna work kind of almost the same as uh, for a human or any. Human, yeah, I guess. We don't have any other examples. <laughs> yes, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, that's one of those things we have to accept. Yes. And I I think it, this, it was this season, <coughs> excuse me, this scene um, that yielded one of a number of notable quotes. Yes. When I can't remember what, what Zora said. Zora said something. And Gray said, was that a joke? Yes. To which Zora replied, if it was funny, funny. then yes. Uh, that's when, yeah, in, in the middle of a sentence, she talked about the oxygen level being 
some I don't know. But yeah. Uh, what I was what was hmm. even more funny here no more funny. That's that's enough. Uh is when Zora said if it was funny then yes. And then you could see Grey thinking uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> let's play a game. <laughs> yeah. Change yes. the subject. <laughs> Stamets tells Burnham he can't get any more power to the shields. On the bridge, Saru tells Burnham that whatever is out there is coming in faster than expected and that they can't complete their mission anyways, so he advises that they leave. Burnham thinks about it for uh, for a second and then orders them to leave, but without any external sensor information and Zora being unable to calculate how they came in, they decide to use the spore drive to jump. Eh... I guess I don't know. I, I was not sure about that. Well, I I questioned this when I first heard it, and lo- my logical brain just said, "Reverse out of there." Yeah, but then it kind of occurred to me that they may have been rotating, spinning, drifting in space, movie drifting exactly, and they would never have known about it. Because no point of reference. Precisely that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But didn't Saru said at the beginning of the episode that jumping... Oh, no, that was inside the rift? No, they are inside the, the they're, rift. They're in the... So in the he, they're past the barrier, yeah. I think they said earlier in the episode that jumping in wouldn't be a an option. So... How can jumping out be a solution? I, I don't really understand that. If I remember, I think this was to do with the mycelial network. Yeah. And they they couldn't tell from the outside whether the network extended inside. Okay. So that's that's Fine. why they couldn't jump in. The attempt to jump out... In fact, I think we're about to go into it in the next... Um, in the next scene. Yeah. But I think they were saying that they couldn't, they tried to jump out, but they couldn't because although the network was inside the rift, it wasn't uh, complete enough or something, yeah, something along those like lines. Yeah, yeah, I think it's 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 right after the, the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. In engineering, Stamets wants to go over the, the data as they jump, you know, to do, do some research so booker acts as the navigator upon the attempt however the jump fails as a power surge knocks booker of the controls when Berhams asks what happened stamets report that they cannot jump due to the nature of the mycelial network inside the rift and it, it, yeah it, it was like like it had holes holes in it um you know, yes it, yeah it, it, if the dma changes subspace then there's no reason that it won't change the uh, nature of the mm. um, my, my cellular that network thing <laughs> yes the fungus yeah the fungus fungus the yes. network. <laughs> fungus net <laughs> yeah i like that yeah? fungus, fungus net, net. Fungus, fungus net, net. Mm. yeah yeah you don't want to be going through something that's got holes in no ever no, doesn't matter except, whether you're in space or not. Except Swiss cheese. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's very good in the fondue. Oh, yum. 
Um, yeah, again, Stamets must really like Booker, you know, given the change of attitude between, uh, like, I don't know, five, four episodes ago and, 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 and right there. Uh, it didn't even, uh, discuss the, the, the fact that Booker was gonna do the, the, the jump. He said, well, now is as good as, uh, as, as good a time as any to, start and to delegate or something like something yes. around that yeah yeah so but another one of the notable quotes that i picked out from this episode absolutely mm. and then the act ends on this uh on this scene where uh, you know booker is uh is hit and to our surprise act two begins with the same scene same scene again um but from booker's uh point of view this time yeah um, is his, his dead father in front of him who calls him Tarex. Now, I think we heard that name before, haven't we? I have got a note further down. I think I've, I missed this particular reference of Tarex. Uh, but I have got a note further down. Did we already know Book's, na- Book's real name? But that was in Act 3, so I'm, I completely missed this, this uh, occurrence of it. Yeah. I don't know whether we ever did know his name. Well, I don't remember if did I hear that name in previous seasons or did I hear that name last time I watched this episode. That ah, I don't remember. Okay. So, if anyone knows, either in the chat, in the Twitch chat tonight, or dear listeners, if, if you know, if you remember, if we heard the name Tarex uh, before season four episode six let us know we will uh, let you know how to contact us later on the vision the 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 vision the vision of his father the vision of his father expresses anger at him taking orders instead of hunting the enemy booker asks if any booker asks if anyone uh, saw that in engineering but stamets misinterprets the question and says that yeah yeah he saw the energy search so Evidently, nobody else saw Book's father. No. So this, uh, I think this is something to do with, well, I think there's two contributing factors here. There's whatever knocked him out during the jump. Yes. That that surge. Yes. But also his state of mind. Yes. I think the two things worked hand in hand to create this illusion uh, of of his, his father. That's what I wrote in, in my notes. I have a feeling that uh, Book's father is, in fact, maybe the angry side of Book, and now is, it's manifesting as, this, uh, as his father. Um, there's a quote at the end of this episode that, that might uh, explain that. Um, mm. But what I thought when I saw that, I, I thought, you know, Book is creating this image unconsciously just to face the fact that maybe he wants to, he really wants to do something and really wants to hunt the enemy. And it, it's like, um, uh, good conscience, bad conscience. You know, Book is still the, the, the good conscience and the, his father is the uh, manifestation of his bad conscience. Don't know if that makes any mm. sense, but uh, it makes perfect sense. I think I think that is exactly. Sorry, it could be 
exactly what this is relate relating to. Okay. His guilt and his mm-hmm. um uh that's probably it. Guilt and anger. Yeah, guilt and anger, yeah. Palam uh, gets to Sigbe and Booker reports that he's been he has been um he has seen his father. Dr. Kerber explains it's an hallucinatory effect that should go away eventually. That, that's, that's always good to know. Stamets explains that the particles that hit Booker's brain may help them understand the nature of the void. It's, it's a long shot, but uh, why not? Because they have no mm. idea what actually hit Booker. It could be something completely different, but uh, I understand that they're they, they need to figure out this uh, this thing. So any lead is a good lead. It's something to to to, to work to work on, I suppose. Yes. In the lead up to this, uh-huh. uh, the, the the whole the, this part of Act Two, the very end part of Act One, I saw a role change in Stamets. A role mm. that he has demonstrated many many times before. And he almost adopted the father role to Booker. Oh, yeah. Now he, he was behaving it. very much like Booker was the child of the family. And I remembered mentioning this before, and I think it might have been part of season three. I, I'd have to listen back and, and check to see whether I actually made a prediction on this one. But I'm pretty certain I did make a prediction that at some point, Culber and Stamets would effectively pull Booker into their family unit. Yeah, that reminds me of of something that you may have said in in mm. earlier podcast. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to see where that one goes. Yeah. In the lounge area, Gray continues to play the game with Zora. As they chat, Zora reports detecting something on the outside of the hull, and Gray says that she needs to tell Burnham. Well, duh. <laughs> Even though uh, Zora said, "Well, I don't have enough information," so, but yeah, no, you need to, you need to tell the captain. That's important information. But that was also a learning process for Zora, because she was about to make the wrong decision. Yes. And it was actually Grey that turned around and said, well, no, that isn't the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, oh, I know I can't say that because that's like seven episodes in the future. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Zora has a role on this on this ship. Yeah. Ultimately, whatever happens, she answers to the captain. Yeah. This is unprecedented. We have no, yeah. no previous examples of this. So... It doesn't matter whether you've got evidence. If you have a hunch, if you have an inkling that something's not right, you have a duty to report it. You say we have no precedent, but in TNG, we had a computer on the bridge. It just had a human appearance with a a positronic brain. Right. But the difference is that when Data was commissioned into Starfleet... He was already fully aware of what he was and what he was capable of. Yes. Zora is a matter of days old. Yes. Yes, that's the difference. But we do have a precedent 
in in the uh, in in the the form of a computer being part of a crew and uh, yeah. you know um yeah uh, I, i'm absolutely not disputing uh, that answering to the captain yeah, yeah it's it's more the fact that zora doesn't know what to do she doesn't know yeah. what the um what the procedures are yes. when she sees something then she needs to say it but the thing is i'm again i can't remember whether it's something we've we've spoken about in the past or the future we've seen instances where zora has I'm going to shut up because this is in the future. <laughs> All right. It just so occurred to me. Come back in a few episodes and you will know. <laughs> yes. On the bridge, Zora tells Burnham something is going on uh, uh, on part of the hull. Dr. Pollard is asked to check on it and finds an imminent hull breach. Anson Cortez is there fixing something and is unable to reach safety as the result before the emergency force field drops. Ooh. Yeah, that was uh, that was sad. Um, but it's not like we didn't see that coming from you know hundred miles away. But uh, yeah, but then when it happened, it happened so flipping quickly because Zora said emergency force field in place in three, two, one, and then all of a sudden Cortez is yeah, he's gone. That, that that's better, no? It, you wouldn't have. Oh. I mean, if, if we were okay, if you were hanging to the thing and and screaming and uh, no, I think it's better that it was gone. Yes, I agree with you. But at the shock, yeah, for me, my my reaction was palpable. I was like, <gasps> yeah, me too. I was like, what? Oh, it's yeah. only a show. Yeah. <laughs> but the the thing is, I was like, what? Even though mm. I've seen this episode about a year ago, but but going through all they're going through mm. at the moment, and then suddenly losing a crewmate, yeah. that's you, you don't need that. Yeah. Back in the lounge, Gray asks Zora what happened, uh, and the computer explains the situation. Gray reassures her, but then points out that Zora's detection of something on the exterior is important information the bridge crew needs to know about. Mm. Again, but that that's him who realized that. Zora noticed something on the outside. Um, so it's uh, it, it Zora se- reported that she had uh, detected something, but she didn't realize that it was uh, the 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 fact that she identified something was as important as, if not more important than what she detected. Right, because that's the first inkling since they've been in that rift of anything beyond the the ship's skin. Yeah. So the sensors are working. Indeed. On the bridge, the crew report problems across the ship, and Baham said they need more options. Gray comes in saying Zora has information. Hmm. Dun dun dun. Yes. So typical. Um, cliffhanger hand of act scene where um gray comes in running and the camera gets on him so has information and of <laughs> and of yes. the act and commercial break for probably uh, a, a, a fair amount of time uh, did they have commercial break or was that streamed i oh, know that was well, aired on it's only ever been on Paramount Plus. 
season four. So if 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 we do have someone from the US with a Paramount Plus subscription, oh no, no, I'm wrong. No, season four originally came out on Pluto here in the UK, so I think that would have had adverts. Ah. Pretty certain. So, but I'm. Um, whether they just had the, the f- uh, one, two, three, three advert breaks between acts one, two, two, and three, three, and four, or whether they would have done the US thing where they just basically cut it out every 5.2 minutes <laughs> for about 5.2 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have, uh, we have comments in, in the Twitch chat. Uh, Booker quickly formed a bond with Michael and even became an unofficial member of the Discovery crew through se- throughout season three. During a visit to his home planet in the episode titled The Sanctuary, Booker reunited with his brother. Yes. Yep. As the season progressed, it was revealed that Booker's real name was Tarex. Okay, so it was uh... in season three. And there was a whole story around the name he's used. Oh, yes, he's using the name... Of his mentor, uh, yes, he he was yes. he was Cleveland Booker the fifth or something. Yeah, something. Yes. Right. But thank t- you. T- Tarix was actually his his dad's name as well. So the okay. the, the, the the character we're seeing uh, playing his father, uh, his name is also Tarix. All right. All right. Thank you, chat. Mm. That's why we have uh, people in the live chat just to give us information. Tell us stuff we don't know. And that's a lots of stuff. Heck of a lot. Yeah, heck of a lot. Uh, where were we? Oh, we were, were in Act 3. Yeah. Gray explains the situation with the Trill game. Zora appears as a holographic display on the bridge and says hello. <laughs> and explains the microvariance detection on the external sensors. Saru comes up with an idea um, that, how did he say that? Uh, more focus uh, brings more, more what? Oh, Sensibility I, of t- yeah. I cannot remember the actual uh, quote, but I, I, I remember it. I remember yeah, I forgot the, to. When it happened, yeah. yeah. So Saru comes up with an idea to use the a signal to penetrate the void to get them out, but no one knows yet how to do so, and Burnham orders them to brainstorm on it. And then she goes on and, and says, uh, Gray, you're with, you're with me, and Zora, join us in the ready room. Right. Well, there are a couple of things to pick from that. The first one is the recognition of Zora as an entity, because when she materialized herself as this um, rather ornate circle with the rectangle and the lines in, I can't remember who said it, Reese. but someone said, Zora, is that you? Um, this Reese, he said, is that Zora? Right. And she says, yeah. yes, hello. Yeah. And I thought th- this changes things. Yeah. Because Zora is now an entity rather than just a disembodied voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing, which you were probably going to pick up on anyway, so I'll let you uh, mention this one. Well, I, what I wrote in my notes is that it's not the first time that Burnham says uh, or asks Zora to join them in, in in a room, in the radio room, or in the quarters, or right. But do do you think that she wouldn't have been there anyway? Yes. 
But because that's a way for Burnham to recognize that Zora is more than just an omnipresent computer. Exactly so. It's not like you have small... Um, I was about to use the word dot, but I can see how that would have been misconstrued. <laughs> um, a, a, a Zora dot in every single room. Yeah. She's always there, yeah. responds when you speak to her, or mm-hmm. at the moment she's being she's involving herself in conversations um, independently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, to actually acknowledge her in that, in that way, I would imagine Zora would have felt pretty good about it. I, yeah, I guess. That, that recognition. I mean, I'm going to try next time I change room. I'm going to ask the, the lady in the, uh, in the sphere to join me in another room just to see if <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really hold out much hope on your success of that one. No, me neither. But who mm. knows? Let's take a moment to say hi to Chris from Canada who joined us in the chat. Though Chris says that uh, she didn't uh she haven't watched the season yet so spoiler alert <laughs> have a good look chris uh where were we oh yes we were there so booker is in sigbay being lambasted by the vision of his father who insists is a coward not fit for the amulet he wears we still don't know what this amulet is do we that is the Iku zen where did that come from I I I don't really remember if if we do know. So it's the same thing that Leto and Kaim and Booker were doing with the the root. Yes. So in the same episode when Quajon was destroyed. Yeah. He had one but chose not to wear it for a long yes. time. He's only well, started wearing it since Quajon was destroyed. Yeah, and we don't know why he was not wearing it, I believe. It's something to do... I I did a bit of research into this for different reasons, Uh and it's something to do with him rejecting the Quajon way, if Ah, you like. I see. Uh, So he felt felt that it wasn't appropriate for him to wear the Aiku Zen, uh, Zen, possibly, uh, because... It was, um, oh, I cannot think of the word that I need to use here, but it it was it was just not appropriate. He he felt it wasn't appropriate, not not um, uh, not appropriate for him to wear that because of what it represents and what he no longer represents. Yeah. Obviously, this has changed now because this is this is kind of his only tangible link back to his peoples. Yeah, and now he's uh, he's wearing, it. and now his uh, his father's manifestation mm. uh, says he's not worthy of it. So maybe that's still a part of it because we know obviously his father is a, a projecting from a, projected from his own consciousness. Yep. Maybe he still has he still has doubts um, about his his right to wear the amulet. That's getting more and more complex. It is, because particularly now, as it's probably become as much of a duty yeah. uh, to him, now that he's lost pretty much all of his family, that, like I say, this is, this is the last um, tangible remains of 
his family, his past, his home world, everything that, that represents Quajon is around his neck. So he's kind of got to wear it now. He literally has his world on, well, not on his shoulders, but around his neck. Well, ki- kind of. Yeah, kind shoulders of. Shoulders kind of start there. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the bridge, Awasukun volunteers to go down to engineering to reinforce the area, but Saru orders her rather mm, abruptly but politely uh, to go back to her station before having dots sent to the area. Quite right, too. Yeah. It, I think he said, this is, not a, uh, this is not a debate, it's an order. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. C- Captain Saru back in the chair. It's, uh... Yeah, but still with the, the, the Saru style, you know. It's like, <laughs> go back to your room, but it's, yes, sir. <laughs> you, yes. It's not, it's not like, it, uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how to explain that more than, it's the Saru way. That's all you need to say. Yeah. In the ready room, Burnham with Grey is talking with Zora about her feelings and reassures her it's normal to feel guilt as Zora is feeling that about Ansin Cortes. Uh, Burnham explains uh, that <clears throat> she felt uh, or she didn't know how to feel uh, when she was uh, a child. But then Zora says... You know, you're talking about your childhood, but I'm a sentient being inside a supercomputer. Mm. And they didn't even notice that. I was expecting Burnham to to respond to what you said earlier. It's like, yes, but you had emotions for like, you know, three weeks. So you're still like a, a child in that regard. Right. And actually, I realise I'm about to completely contradict what I said earlier, (laughs) because this is exactly how it was with Data in Generations. Yeah. Because he had the emotions uh, inserted, the the emotion chip inserted into his head. Yeah. And he spent a lot of time, and he really battled with the ability to handle the overwhelming nature of, of emotion um and potentially putting the crew at risk because there was a particular scene in generations where data was was essentially paralyzed through fear yeah and we have exactly the same thing going on here with zora she's almost paralyzed by fear overwhelming sense of emotions and as with data guilt yes yeah, so uh, it, it yeah, it's the it's not the same, but yeah, it's not unprecedented. Mm. Uh Burnham is called to Sigbay, where Colbert says that the hallucinations Booker is experiencing will subside within the hour. I think uh, Booker said that it was best news he had all day. <laughs> yeah. Uh it turns out that the particles in Booker's brain are the solution to their questions about the DMA as they came from the barrier of at the edge of the galaxy. As they discuss it, they come to the conclusion that they can that they can find a way out using the particles. So I didn't really understood the link that they did here, you know, between the, the particles or how, how oh I see now. 
Okay, I, I just needed to think about that. Yeah. So if if the uh, whatever came from outside of the the, the galaxy uh, was there, it probably brought some of those particles with it. All right. right. Okay. So they can use that. It's the, the trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. So they are yes, they are essentially going to follow the breadcrumb. It's kind of like their substitute my uh, mycelial network. Yeah. They're, okay. they're riding the particles. <laughs> Burnham transported the bridge and he's told that the shield will fail in about 10 minutes. Ah, we still didn't get a 47 in this episode. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Like, as, the, shield are gonna, the shields are going to fail in 10 minutes and 47 seconds, Captain. But then you would have complained that that was too specific. Yes. So they can't win. No. <laughs> Glad we established that. Adira figures out that the particles will resonate at 218 kilohertz exactly. They send one pulse and wait for the response. Lieutenant Detmer informs them that it will take more than 10 minutes to get out at this uh, this rhythm because it, it took quite a long time for the, uh, the ping to come back. Without the shields, the crew won't survive the, e- the heat that they encountered on their way in. Da-da-da! I have a complaint to register. Oh, okay. So we are told in this episode that 218 kilohertz is the frequency, the sonar frequency. That's not tr- true. Sonar doesn't have a frequency. There's not there's no such thing as the sonar frequency. A sonar can work on a l- load of, of frequencies. It's just the principle of sending a pulse, right. reading it back, and... and uh, transforming that into a, an audible or a visual representation. But also, 218 kilohertz is not audible. No. It is we know that. phenomenally well above the uh, hearing range. Yeah, but the principle of the sonar is to send a pulse, get it back, and then emit a an audio signal for the the, the, the operator to to realize you know how far something is i think that's that's the principle of a of a sonar right so what what could have happened is you could have pinged out this um inaudible sound yeah it comes back yeah. the sensor picks it up and suddenly yeah. you get on the on the bridge you've got mail <laughs> yes and that would that would have worked as well yeah 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 exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, the audio that they got back was not just a ping, you know, it was a, an elaborate ping. <laughs> yes, with, with echo and, and longevity, yes. Yes. A ping. What does Maestrisio says? He says, I have no idea what it does, why it exists, and how to turn it off. Ah, the drop. You can't turn it <laughs> off. You just drop. So it's, it, it, it has no purpose... You know, other than to make people type exclamation mark drop in the chat. And that gives us, um, concurrent chat, uh, in the, uh, in the, the stat. And when we get like loads of viewers and loads of, uh, concurrent chatters, we're going to become partners. Well, affiliate first and then partners, and then we're going to get rich. And then we're going <laughs> to be invited at TwitchCon and, and the world. We'll know. I am winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
How about we go back to the review? Please. Bernheim proposes using the transporter pattern buffers to save the crew through the dangerous journey, with her staying behind as the captain to help Zora. She orders the crew to transport into the buffer in groups and said something like, nobody should go through this alone. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. No one should go through this alone. Yes. When they go into the pattern buffer... They're not going to be sitting down having pims and eating tapas, are they? They're going to be in stasis. Yes. So once they're in the pattern buffer, being in groups is completely irrelevant. Yes. (laughs) I mean, they won't even realise they were in the pattern buffer because they would transport and they would transport out. Right. That's it. So their, their time will stop. Yeah, essentially. Hmm. Same as it did for, um, Scotty. Scotty, yeah. 75 years. Indeed. On the, I've got this, on the USS Jenilin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> why not? Right, why not? Yes. I wish I could apologize this to Saru for earlier, saying she felt that way because of watching her best friend die when she was younger and felt unable to help. Sarah reassures her that she did enough, uh, you know, by witnessing uh, uh, the, the, the event for her friend, and then they transport. Because, again, it's a dire situation and prompt action is needed, so why not stop and, and have a chat, you know, while the house is burning and, you know, <laughs> it's, it's always like that. So always at the wrong time that they have this kind of conversation. I don't know why. Maybe it makes sense. to build up the yeah. the emotion, the, Maybe. The, the stickiness of the situation. Maybe. Booker on his ship sees the vision of his father again. They fight again over the difference of their ways. And Booker says he chooses to believe spirits do go on so that uh, so they aren't really gone. You know, so that um uh huh, forgot the name of his uh of his nephew. Um Alito, uh, uh, Cain, Lito and Cain. Cain was his was his brother, yeah. and Lito was his uh, his nephew. He says that if if spirits do live on, then then they are still somewhere. They are not gone forever. He also says goodbye to his father and wishes him happy birthday. Nice touch. Yeah, but I think that was that was kind of a pivotal point in that particular interaction. Yeah. When that happened, I'm like. Whatever it is he needed to do, the reason why his dad kept appearing to him, it's gone now. Yeah. Whatever funk yeah. that that book was in, mm-hmm. he's dug himself out of. So yeah. I, when I first saw this, I was like, "We're not going to see him again." Yeah, I agree with you. Yes, um, maybe because she thought she might not have a chance to explain herself if they don't transport back. Yes, um, that's that's a comment. In the chat about the previous scene. Yeah, yes. I guess. I guess. But then, you know, what What good would that be? You know, if, if you're not coming back anyway. <laughs> I mean, she could have said that after when they come back. Because for them, it's going to be in like three seconds, right? So, don't know. Do, do you know what? You are absolutely right. It would not have mattered. If they didn't make it out of there, it was completely irrelevant anyway. Yeah. But it's it's the human 
Why? Yeah, I guess. And it makes the, for good TV. It, yeah, there is that as well. But you, in in moments of of tangible stress, it's kind of the done thing to to clear things, clear the air. Yeah. Make your um, confessions, make yeah. your apologies, give forgiveness. It's a thing. Yeah. But completely inappropriate at this moment. Absolutely. <laughs> Booker meets up with Bunham and they share some I love you. Oh. Uh, and then Booker transports with his, his cat, says the review. She's not a cat. <laughs> She's a queen. She's a queen. That's, that's exactly what I wrote in my review. <laughs> I, do you know what? I think our reviews are next to identical. Yeah, I guess so. For the benefit of the listeners, Yannick and I go through individually and write our notes and write our comments out in advance so we know at particular stages what it is we want to say. But it, <laughs> uh, he's either reading mine or I'm reading his. I think that's what's happened here. We've been this uh, for too long. <laughs> yeah. Badam heads back to the bridge and activates her EV suit, telling Zora to deactivate life support. Zora has trouble following the signal, so Burnham tells her to focus. I think it's the 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 main point of this episode. Uh, focus, completely. Zora, focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seems like I'm talking to my daughter. Focus. <laughs> <sighs> Giant yeah, children. She's like she's she has an attention span of I don't know. Five minutes stops. Yes. Oh, squirrel. <laughs> Zora reports part of her are, are dying as a part of the ship are breaking. That was sad. It was. Yeah. Uh, but Burnham reassures her that, you know, you've got this. The temperature rises and Burnham asks Zora to bring the crew out of the patent buffers when it's safe, thinking probably that she's not going to make it. With four minutes left, Zora offers a distraction from the heat by singing a song. She sings her own version of the song Stormy Weather, hence the title of this episode. Indeed. It it made Burnham laugh a little bit, like, a song, why not? Go ahead, sing a song. <laughs> I mean, in, in like three episodes, we've learned that the computer is... is conscious and can have conversations can have feelings so yeah sing <laughs> go ahead yeah okay so then we discovered in this scene that zora is capable of flying the ship uh-huh. she's also capable of bringing the crew out of the pattern buffers uh-huh. why on earth didn't burnham go into the pattern buffer herself I know this is for the show. We would have missed out on all of this. We wouldn't have heard Zora singing Stormy Weather in an American accent, just saying. <laughs> but it made no sense for her to go through that distress and agony of the temperature on the bridge, just for our benefit. I disagree. Oh. She said um, that she would stay on the bridge to keep company to Zora. So she essentially stayed to make sure, well, not to make sure, because I'm pretty sure she knew Zora was capable of it, but to encourage, uh, encourage, no, that's not an English word, to... Um, no, encourage, yes, it, it, encourage. Yes, it is. So yeah. To, 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 yeah, to, to be moral support for Zora. 
which worked up to a point, but then they became a point where Michael's usefulness went below zero. And then Zora became moral support for Burnham. Right. Which meant Zora would have been perfectly capable of dealing with everything by herself because we'd already proven that she could she could fly the ship, which was a revelation to me. But actually yeah. thinking about it, duh. <laughs> but I then she wouldn't she... have had to worry about Burnham. No, but she was worried. She was afraid. She said so in this episode, in many times in this episode. She was afraid. And when you're afraid, it's always better to have someone with you. She effectively didn't. Burnham was 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 not there. Yeah, she was for for the. She was the risking first her moment. own life just for no apparent reason. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I, I kind of see where you're coming from, but I think from a from a practical perspective, it would have made more sense and given her more of a fighting chance to survive and deal with the aftermath. Yeah, by jumping in the pattern buffer. So now I have another question. That, 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 I thought that was uh, what you were going to talk about. So let's take this point back. So we know Zora can uh, fly the ship. Mm-hmm. We know she can um, uh, take people in and out of the pattern buffers, and she can pretty much do everything. So why does, does she need a crew? <sighs> so should Zora you know, go uh, psycho, she could potentially be a mass murderer and just, you know, go away with the ship. This is something that listeners might want to go and watch Calypso for. Yeah. Because I think we do get a, um, a, a tiny inkling about Zora on her own. Yeah. So, I mean, you're absolutely right, but at the same time, she is still a baby. Indeed. I don't know whether in her... Well, she was always sentient, but this is this is about emotions now, isn't it? I don't know whether her non-emotional state, her, her data-like state, whether she would have had that capability of making that kind of command-level decision to run the ship on her own. Yeah. Having now had the emotions added to the mix, she's obviously capable of observing everything everybody is doing. So she's now capable of of, of learning mm-hmm. and educating herself. That may be how she can now fly the ship. She may not have been able to before. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, it's just, just a, an hypothetical question. But mm. yeah, I, mm. I, I would be afraid of a malfunction in her systems and make you know essentially making her a you know psycho killer or something. <laughs> she has access yes. to, to a lot of stuff that can actually um, you know she could get it rid of. Was the her that switched off the life support systems? Indeed, indeed. So so she that did point it once. It's very well taken, but she did it after asking. So maybe maybe there's you know maybe there's a safeguard that she needs some kind of authorization that she did ask where where whether in other series we would just have the captain say okay uh, computer turn off flight support authorization Picard one two three four five 
That is a very good point. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. So Arihan in the chat says that um, Zora needs a crew to have someone to tell jokes to. <laughs> well, she's going to have yeah, to work on She needs to work on, on that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Act four. Very short act. Panam wakes up to Dr. Culber examine, examining her and Saru explains that everyone got out of the pattern buffer fine. Then she hugs him as in, oh, thank you. <laughs> Pimps and tapas for everybody. Yeah. Woohoo. Nice. Oh, it's, it's the captain's round at the uh, 10 floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't have money. No, they don't. No. But it's still, I don't know, it's still round. It's the, um, we, it's, it's, it's the, the principle of the thing. Yes. And yeah. with Synthel anyways, they're not, you know, gonna, they're not gonna be too, um, uh, uh, drunk. Yeah, well, I was, I was <laughs> looking for other words, but yeah, they're, they're not gonna inebriated. Be with, uh, yeah, that's it. Yes, yes. Yeah, but if if Tarko's still around, because I believe oh. he's still on the ship, we just not seen him. He'll have some of his um, rice and whiskey. He's gonna need a lot of that for the the whole crew, but yeah. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure Burnham has some uh, some uh, Romulan Romulan hail <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Blue water. Yes. Discovery undergoes repairs, watched by Saru and Booker, who talk about the uh, extragalactic origin of the DMA. Saru says Stamets thinks further analysis will tell them exactly where it came from. Booker expresses that all, all he wants to do is to destroy whoever created the DMA. And Saru responds by explaining the culling by the Baul and how he still feels rage thinking about it when he sits on the Kemina High Council. He tells Booker that the struggle to overcome those emotions is a worthy one. Such a great lesson there. Yeah. Such a powerful one as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Saru is a is a nice character, and I think they've put a lot of effort in the writings, uh, in, in in the writing of this role and the mm. quotes and and, and and all that. And uh, <clears throat> they've given him a great story, and yeah. a great backstory, a, a, yeah. a wonderful origin. But but Saru as a character has been through a lot of things that no other Kelpian Kelpians have been through. Because he was the first one to go past the ritual, the which I can't remember the name of, um, because of the the way that the Baal had brainwashed him into thinking that that was the end of their time and that was them being chosen. Yeah. So he's got the anger around that to, to say, actually, this wasn't the end of things. That was just their way to control them. He's now, like you said, he's sitting around the same table as the Baal. And the yeah. anger is still there. And it will be there forever for him. And it probably will be, yes. Yeah. But over time, the trust will start to build. Yeah. And again, we send people to the short treks. There's one episode of them about um, Saru's past and how um, our Captain Jojo came and... Uh, pick him up on Kemina. Right, so last scene of the last act of this episode. Burnham finishes her three, uh, th- three, 
Yes, not, not three, a tree <laughs> of memories uh, discussing with Zora. The computer then creates her own tree, which contains memory of the crew. And so we, I guess we see about everyone uh, of the bridge crew, including Tilly. Yay, go Tilly. Um, yeah. And, and but you only would have gone back as far as the end of season two, which is when the sphere data was incorporated, yeah. because that's where Zora's come from. So I can't remember the name of the... Oh, no, this was season two, wasn't it? When uh, The name of the, the bridge crew member that sacrificed herself yeah. to defeat Leland. Yes. Um, I don't remember, but yeah. No, but she wouldn't have been on there because Zora would not have been aware of her. Except Zora has access to the computer and she probably has access to all the, the history and the... Right, science. but Zora is starting to build up on emotion. Yeah, true. If, if this, this individual wasn't part of her life, she may not have considered her family. Understood, yeah. Mm. Very true. But it was beautiful. It really was. It yes. shows a lot about how she's growing as a, as a, as a. Can I say life form? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Life form is intelligent and capable of reproducing. So we don't know if Zora is uh, fully functional. That was mentioned in the episode yes, it this was. week. I know. That's um, why I mentioned it. I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I think it was at the beginning when when she first uh, talked with um, with Gray when he asked if she was okay. Uh, I think, yeah, and she said uh, she was fully functional, yeah. and I'm like, please no. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to... that she and Data are like 900 <laughs> years apart. <laughs> oh yes. my goodness, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> please, please, please. Yeah, so th- th- the uh, last two sentences of this episode was, Van I'm saying, it was nice. It, it, it is nice having you with us, Zora. And then Zora saying, yes, yeah, so, um, as I do or something. Uh, well, uh, I'm glad you, you are with us, Zora, uh, Burnham said. And Zora says, uh, I am too, Captain, or something like yeah. that. So. As am I, yeah. As am I. Something, yeah. something like that, yes. A little bit twee, perhaps, but at the same time, incredibly significant. Indeed. So that's it. That's the end of this review. What did you think of this episode as a a whole thing? Well, like last week, this is another one where the, um, the, the, the primary episode plot didn't really seem to have a purpose. This was very much a character building episode for both Zora as an artificial life form and also as Booker as he tries to overcome his his guilt and his anger. Everything else was kind of secondary to this. There was no there was no real DMA progression as part of this episode. Discovery went into this rift, got stuck, came out again. That's pretty much all that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um but I have to call out the script writing. The script writing was absolutely perfect this on this episode. The acting was was just brilliant. 
I honestly cannot think of anything that I would want to pick a serious fault with, which for me is is fairly unusual. That's all I've got to say. Yeah. Well, there's nothing uh, more than that. Oh, Jonathan Frakes, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, that is that is it. It was a really, really good episode. One of my yeah, favourite of, um, of the season. I think the, the 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 same same things. Yeah, you you've mentioned that. Uh, yeah, the a plot was yeah uh, as as void as the void around the uh, the discovery. Mm. Uh, but yeah, character building for uh, Zora definitely, and I think. Zora as a character has made you know giant steps in this episode uh, fr- from just being a, the voice of the computer to having this form um this holographic form and the bound the bond she's uh, she's building with uh, Burnham um and and yes and also Booker and um I don't know what well I do but let's pretend I don't know where this is going uh with Booker but I can feel that there's there's a struggle. There's there's something here um, that that's gonna happen, and that makes the whole story more interesting, I think. Um, and they found in this episode, yes, I see the the comments in in the chat, but I was gonna mention that they did found that the creators of the DMA come from outside of the galaxy. So that's the only thing that they discovered, but it was uh, it, it is a um, a very important thing, uh, right? That now they, well, I was going to say now they know where to search, but no, <laughs> their their search area just went way bigger <laughs> because um, you know if you're looking inside the galaxy, you're going to eventually find what you're looking for. But if you're going mm. looking outside of the galaxy. As far as we know, the universe is infinite. Infinite? Infinite, yeah. Yes. As far as we know. So, well, it's 47 and a half million light years wide, at least. I think that that's the uh, observable universe. Something stupid like Something that, Something like yes. that, yeah. But in theory, it's infinite. So their search area just, you know, grew a lot bigger. Um but uh, yeah, um, interesting episode. Uh, spot on, uh, as the as you said, uh, for the the script writing, the acting, the directing. Um, it seems like every time Jonathan Frakes directs an episode, it's a good one. I don't know if he ever directed a, a bad episode. Um, don't know if it's about how he does that, or if I don't know. There's some kind of magic there. I suppose when you have a I want to say guest director. That's probably not a fair statement because he is as much the embodiment of Star Trek as anybody else that has directed an episode more than once. But, you know, he is a a guest director because he only tends to do one, maybe two episodes per, per, per season. But he will be very much in tune with what the viewers are expecting to see well he's got seven years of acting in precisely TNG behind him so yeah yeah uh and that one amazing episode at the end of season four of enterprise let's not forget that because that yeah. was bloody awful um <laughs> did he direct that i don't know if he directed it it was in it, it was yeah. basically it was it was a single um 
like a soliloquy style episode yeah, where yeah, it, yeah. it was just like him yeah. and nothing else. Uh, but no, I don't know whether he directed it. That's a really good question. I shall have to find that out, that uh, the answer to that. But yeah, I think as far as as directing is concerned, he he will obviously have a very good idea of of what it is that needs to be done. Yeah, uh, and he he does it well, indeed. Mm. So, unless you have something to add, I I, I do. Oh, you, oh yes, you have trivia. No. No, no, no we've, we've done all the trivia. All the trivia's gone. <laughs> okay. um, he says, checking very quickly. No, the only other thing that was mentioned in the in the trivia that I had uh, captured was there was um, in the bar in the lounge. Oh, they call it the lounge. <laughs> there was a Ferengi crew member behind the bar, and a Lurian really sat at the sat at the bar on a stool. And it was it was compared as reminiscent of Quark and Morn. Yeah, I didn't notice that. No, but it's also the the, f- the first instance of either a Ferengi or a Lurian on Discovery. Okay, yeah. we are being told in the chat that uh, Jonathan Frakes did not yes. direct. It was Alan Croker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. All right, so that concludes our review of uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 6, Stormy Weather. So, thanks to all of you for listening to our show. You can help us spread the love for this podcast by jumping into a subspace rift and singing the praises of our podcast to anyone you would find in there. Or if you think that the prospect of being slowly eaten by an unknown entity is definitely not your style, you can simply share the address of our website on social media. Yeah, I'd recommend that one. And our website is at tlgreyhot.org, where you can find our show notes, our reviews. Oh, we don't do the reviews anymore, do we? No. And you can leave a comment on every one of our episodes. We are no longer on Twitter or no Facebook, so don't look for us, for us there. But we are on Telegram at t.me slash t.e.g.h. podcast and on Mastodon at t.e.g.h. podcast at 1701home.com. Yeah. And we also stream the recording of these episodes on Twitch over at twitch.tv slash TEGH podcast. That's when the operator doesn't Twitch stream on his own channel. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Memory Alpha. As always, we have based our review of this week's episode on their work, and this is released under a Creative Commons by Attribution non commercial license. The rest of the show is released under a Creative Commons by attribution share alike license. See our website for details because Yannick found it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we now know where it is. So if you want to find out what the CC by SA license is all about, if you scroll right to the bottom of the page next to the little copyright you notice, there's a little thing that says CC BY SA. Click on that and it'll tell you exactly what the license allows. Absolutely. This podcast is part of the Other Side Podcast Network. Check out our website at othersideotherside.network for our wonderful shows and hosts. Our next episode will be our review of But to Connect, the seventh episode of season four of Star Trek Discovery. Yes, and that brings us to the end of the show. And no, my stretcher, we are not going to cut out the Twitch stuff from the recording. We're just going to add the music um, at the beginning and the end and the... Uh, the um, the sting uh, between the sections maybe remove the uh, the 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 thing when we don't uh, find our uh, our show notes or we have to reload the pages 
And then now I'm adding stuff that are, is not going to be <laughs> cut out of the episode because that's how we roll nothing, now. Nothing is nothing. getting cut out of the episode. Nope. Nothing. 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 Well, thank you, Dave, for joining me once again this week. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't be anywhere else. Don't tell the missus I said that. <laughs> thank you, everyone in the chat, in the Twitch chat, for uh, being there with us and correcting us and sending us information during the recording. We are very, very appreciative of your presence here. Proves we're live. Yeah. We will be back next week with a whole lot more Star Trek Discovery. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Ciao, ciao. See ya. Let's disintegrate. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you changed something. No, I did not. But well, it came up and said that you changed yeah, something. Yeah, I know. So. It did. It oh, does and then that. it doesn't load again. Yeah. <gasps> my goodness. I know. This doesn't look like my review. No, it's in mine, eh? Uh, no, I, it's mine. It says Stormy Weather Yannick, but... Oh, okay. I think I've clicked on the wrong link. That might be why. Yeah. There we go. That's the one. <laughs> You've been listening to a member of the Other Side Podcast Network. Find more about our shows at otherside.network. <laughs>